Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hello, Boiling Point listeners and friends. This is Greg Hemmings, your co-host of the Boiling Point podcast. Dave and I just want to say a massive thank you for being with us over so many different years, an incredible amount of interviews that we've had and conversations with different thought leaders and, and artists and entrepreneurs and change makers. It has been a thrilling ride. Now, we're going to have a little bit of a change in the format of the Boiling Point podcast coming up for the next couple months. And what we're doing is we're going to do a deep dive into a specific niche of business and leadership, which is safety in the workplace, building really safe and healthy work cultures. And we're going to be exploring themes around mental health and uh, and bullying in, in work and different ways that we can assure that we have safe and productive and creative workplaces. Now, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a backseat for these interviews, uh, literally a backseat because I'm going to be behind the board. I'll be producing these episodes and Dave is going to be doing this with his co-host friend and former Boiling Point guest, Dr. Bill Howitt, who is an expert in this field. So we're really excited to have uh, Dave and Bill go very deep on this topic, this very important topic about creating safe workspaces. Now, the other exciting thing is we were able to attract two really incredible sponsors to help us make this partnership series work. We've got the incredible folks up at the University of New Brunswick, as well as our friends over at the Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. So these two sponsors have made this, uh, this podcast, this partnership podcast, this deep dive into this topic a reality, and we really want to say thanks. So as I said before, I'm going to stand up and take a back seat and get behind the soundboard and welcome to the podcast, Bill and Dave. All right. Well, welcome to Shifting the Employee Experience. I'm with Dr. Bill Howitt. Uh, Bill, this is exciting. This is our, our yes. second or third podcast together. Yes. Um, and um, um, maybe just for, for, you know, for listeners that don't know you yet, mm. just a little bit on you. Um, I've seen your bio. It's very long, yes. but you're good at actually condensing it yeah. and getting it. No, thanks very much. I think one, one of my way to explain what I'm doing really today is that I'm taking a lot of stuff I'm doing from the academic world. I spent a long time in the academic world and in trying to figure out how to start to make things more practical. So my background in, is more of a behavioral science background mm -hmm. where I'm focusing on why people do what they do and focusing on what we can do to help people change behaviors and help organizations make decisions that can help influence outcomes that you're looking for to help create behavioral change as well. So that's, that's kind of where I'm a focus these days, behavioral change. Love it. And, and you're also a Globe and Mail contributor. Yes. You've got a column for how many years? I think I'm going to say that I've been writing with the Globe of Mail, I'm going to say at least five, maybe six years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what we're doing, as people, listeners know, would be we would just jump into an article you've written. Yeah. Um, for the Globe, and you have other you have other yeah. places you write. Yeah. Um, and uh, today we're going to talk about um, an article you wrote. It says, for a respectful workplace, deal with bullies. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm finding fascinating. I'm spending a lot of time thinking about what can organizations do to help 
create a place where is more psychological safe. And we'll talk about that term in more in, in a more robust term. However, what happens is in 2020, there's still many employees that go to work every day and are concerned about not being safe psychologically. So what does that really mean? So you start to think about some people, what will happen is as teasing and joking and going around. So if you and I, we go back quite a ways and you're joking, ribbing, and I'm going back and forth and you can handle it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It's but what what happens when you can't actually deal with it? What happens when I'm starting to overpower you and I'm mm-hmm. starting to actually impact you? And then what happens is then people start observing that you can't handle it and if they jump into it. And what we find is a joking and game playing and that teasing and horseplay and that can actually start creating more challenges around creating different types of bullying. We'll talk about as we go through this conversation mm-hmm. with our guests later mm-hmm. is around overt and covert bullying. And so that's, so the whole conversation, really a couple of things to say kind of pulled together mm-hmm. is that organizations are looking at respectful workplace is because it's the right thing to do to create a place people want to come. Right. But occupation, health and safety legislation across Canada starting to change in some provinces. There's putting more responsibility on employers to actually not watch anymore and just create these policies, but actually start to lean into this conversation and and help employees learn how to actually create some more civility in the workplace. Interesting. And so, and is this you know for those people that don't know about this, mm. um, you know, is it how long has this been coming for a while? I mean, like, what's like, where are you seeing this? some of the new policy um, actually, you know, having teeth and actually creating a different experience like from an employer perspective. Most likely what's happening, David, is is that there's, if you start to think about the acts around incivility, about the amount of, the, there's like their mental health is becoming a big topic in our country and what are some of the root causes that are driving that. And people are spending so much time in the workplace. So I think, is that the incident rates where continue to rise and people, for example, in the courts, things can show up in courts and human rights and et cetera. And it's just starting to get more magnified by governments that, hey, we're still as a society when people go to workplace, there's not enough safety for people to go to work. So we're going to get involved and help employers create more accountability to motivate employers more. And I don't know, it'll be interesting when we start talking to our guests, if it's some of the root cause of this, perhaps mm-hmm. from how the law might have had a role in playing with this as well. Okay. Well, and we're going to bring our guests in in a moment. I got one more question. Sure. Um, I'm just curious, like, so how did, you know, you, you put a column out mm. um, and, you know, you have a sense of how it, how it um, plays, you know, kind of in, in mainstream media, uh, but also, you know, how people respond. Mm. What, what kind of response did you get to this one around, um, you know, f- and, and the t- again, the title is For a Respectful Workplace deal with bullies yeah i think the big thing about that one to start to get to the conversation moving around is that bullies are happening and there's creating acts around incivilities we got pretty good uptake but the element in that article that did pretty good is a concept around unresolved conflict right so when you start to get into these interactions where people start you know they're teasing and joking and it may not escalate all the way to bullying but it actually starts impacting relationships and when it impacts relationships you're impacting trust productivity the employee experience Experience is not maximized. When that happens, the employer doesn't have the same benefit, nor does the employee. And there's a cost. Oh, absolutely. There's a financial cost. Right. Because if you start thinking about it, if you work eight hours, 
and you're spending one or two hours avoiding people or talking about how you feel you're being picked on or you're starting to try to adjust your behavior, that starts to impact your attention, your focus. And human beings, whether we like it or not, we're not machines. And when we get distracted emotionally and get upset, mm-hmm. you know, a five-second you know, conflict with someone might take us one hour, some of us, to actually process two hours, three hours. So it's, it's, the thing is that nobody needs to go to the workplace and to be picked on, tortured, harassment, sexual harassment. So bullies, my belief system is society's changing. So what used to be acceptable years ago, and that, you know, you have heard this, you know, Jack did that for the last five, ten years, right. so that's Jack. Right. The rules are changing and the expectations are changing and people want to be safer psychologically in the workplace. So let's, I think this is a perfect place to bring in our guests. Sure, absolutely. Um, we have Dr. Kelly Van Buskert coming in from... Uh, the University of New Brunswick, I think, is where you're at right now, Kelly. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, Dave. Um, no, now, Kelly, for and I, Bill and I know you very well. Um, uh, would love for you to start by just giving us a little, uh, our listeners, a sense of who you are and what you do, and, and why this particular topic would be of, of interest to you, and and um, and why we want to talk to you about a respectful workplace. Sure. Well, thanks, Dave. And thanks, Bill, for inviting me to talk to you today. And as both of you know, um, my my interest is in labor and employment law and human rights law, which are fields that I've practiced in uh, for 27 years now. And and in the course of those. Yeah, that's right. Well, I still haven't caught up to you, Bill, but but (laughs) that's true. um, (laughs) But. you know, in the course of that time, I've spent so many hours and days with um, not only individuals who have uh, been victims of perceived wrongs in their workplace, but also uh, employers, right? And so, you know, the difficulty is that uh, for me as a lawyer, I see so much opportunity for earlier and better resolution of uh, workplace disputes that often start, as Bill alluded to uh, a few moments ago, as um, irritations and become these massive, um, very destructive interactions that can impact the lives of so many different people and can also be highly detrimental to the productivity of an employer's uh, organization. So. For me, that's where the interest lies, and I've spent um, most of my career trying to get better in this field, trying to learn more about it, and that's taken me um, to places like Cornell University, to uh, the University of Huddersfield in England, which is the um, the town where uh, the Luddites uh, actually uh, started their movement against the Industrial Revolution in the days of uh, the early days of machinery, um, and also Nottingham, England, where I've spent time studying uh, the concepts of uh, workplace fairness and how employees respond to um, feelings of unfairness in their workplace. So, Kelly, if you think today in 2020 and how we're dealing with bullying today, and you think over the last five years, for example, are employers taking on bullying anymore? Or do you think employers are actually taking this more serious? What's, what, what, what's your point of view on this? 
I think that first employers have to take bullying more seriously from a practical perspective because here in North America at least there are many uh, employment markets that um, are in need of workers and and so employers are having to look at the issue of retention in a different and more serious way than was necessary 20 years ago. Um, as a consequence of that, employers have to take more seriously the question of um, employee satisfaction with their workplace and and engagement, citizenship. Those are all issues that um, aren't legal in nature, but are important from a, an organizational and business perspective. And and when people are experiencing interpersonal conflict in workplaces, then we know statistically they're more apt to simply quit and go down the street uh, to get a job elsewhere, sometimes in the competitor's organization. So that's one reason why employers are taking uh, the issue more seriously. And then from a legal perspective, from a a liability risk perspective, employers have to take it seriously because uh, laws in most um, Canadian provinces, with the exception of Nova Scotia right now, um, have evolved in order to capture uh, this subject of workplace harassment and bullying. I, I, uh, I, it, I get it. My question, I guess, too, I, I think that's what's happening. Do you really believe they're actually taking it more serious? I mean, now you've did a great job of laying it out with what's happening and why they need to. But are you yeah. convinced that they're actually doing more, Kelly? Are you convinced employers are stepping up to maximize the employee experience? Do you believe they have the tools and the insights to know how to address this problem? And it's because I don't, I mean, my work and the way I'm thinking about this, this is not going to go away by next Tuesday. A bunch of policies and procedures aren't going to get rid of this. This seems to be at the core of it's going to be impacting and changing cultures. And I think teaching people how to actually communicate better, deal with misunderstandings, deal with conflict, deal with incivility. And so I guess, what do you think? Well, and I, can I, I just wanted to add to that because I was thinking the same thing is, um, so I'm imagining listening to this and you guys are deep into this. I have some insight through both of you. Um, but Kelly, yeah, like what, like, so, and imagine I'm an employer, uh, which I guess I am technically, um, and I want to learn more, you know, or, or I'm kind of going, geez, where do I start? Like what, how, how do you help? What, what's the, what's the first step? Like where, where, do, how could people learn more and get a better handle on this? Sure. Well, I think lots of employers like to see the evidence. Why should they be concerned? And so there's, you know, there's data that exists now to inform us on the prevalence of this problem uh, in Canadian workplaces and North American workplaces. Um, we know that the majority of Canadian employees have experienced bullying or harassment in their workplaces. And when you think about that, and really allow it to digest, it's quite an ominous statistic, isn't it? That that 60%, more than half of Canadian workers have experienced it's crazy this kind of behavior. Yeah. yeah, so... And, so, and is, that, is that, like, a, like is that, you know, has, do you have any comparison with other countries? Like, do, I mean, is that is that normal? Is that lower? I mean, Canadians are such nice people. Like, I mean, surely it couldn't... It wouldn't be worse in Canada than anywhere else. Oh, I think I think Kelly can tell you a story about where Canada fits for most civil places. Yeah. 
Right. I think that, you know, I think that in Canada, sure, we perceive ourselves as these very polite people, but, um, you know, we have a problem with this issue, not only in our workplaces, but also in our school systems. Um, an OECD study puts our school system uh, in the top 10 countries in the world for uh, school-aged uh, bullying. And, and you know, as, as workplaces go, we know that the Americans fall in a similar uh, range to us with bullying that exceeds 50% uh, experience in the workplace. And um, the European countries, which some of whom have taken this issue more seriously for a longer period of time, uh, still have, um, you know, still have a problem that would fall in the range of 40 to 50 percent of workers Incredible. experiencing behavior. It, it, yeah, it is. And so you, you think employers are taking this more serious, Kelly, and, and if they want to actually have some impact, what kind of coaching and what type of suggestions do you have for helping them to actually impact the employee experience around respectful workplace? Well, I think uh, obviously as you mentioned earlier, Bill, the, the research that informs this area tells us that uh, having policies or a set of rules that, uh, you know, that govern how employees have to interact, that's, you know, a, a first step. Um, having a training program is, is critical, not only from a legal compliance perspective, because most governments in the country have now imposed that obligation on employers to to train their employees about harassment and bullying. Um, but putting aside the legal compliance issue, the more important aspect of training is to really cause employees to think carefully and, and uh, to be introspective about uh, the behavior that all of us have likely participated in at one time or another in our lives or in one context or another. And so, so I think, you know, a challenge for employers is finding the right kind of training. There's lots of, you know, paint by number set training kits available. Uh, but there really has to be some questions asked around the, you know, the utility of those programs and how they would uh, influence behavior in a workplace. And, you know, once you have rules and then train people with respect to compliance uh, with those rules, then you still have the issue of enforcement. And I think enforcement uh, is is an interesting question, and that's where there tends to be a lot of snagging up for employers right now because, you know, the, the legislation tells employers what they have to do, but it doesn't tell them how to deal with um, the problem when it's when it's found to exist? Yeah, and as you, no, no, yeah, just, I, no, that's exactly what I was. I'm glad you're going there because I was thinking. Okay, so imagine, and I'm, I'm putting myself in the place of of uh, you know a leader of an organization, and and I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I you know what? I believe some of this is actually happening right now. I don't have we don't have a policy. We don't have any training programs in place. What do I do? And, and uh, you know, and I guess uh, to my mind, you know, pro probably part of you would say, well, I wonder if we can just sweep this under the rug, you know, or 
But like, what would your advice from a legal perspective be on, you know, if, if, if there is an existing problem and, and there isn't, you know, the, the policies and training programs in place, what, what at that point do they do? Well, I think that that's a problem that lots and lots of employers are experiencing in this day and age. And um, that's a problem that more and more uh, I'm dealing with uh, in my practice and lots of other labor and employment lawyers are dealing with as well. Um, I think that for employers, um, the temptation to, as you say, sweep the problems under the rug um, or to try to deal with them in some kind of minimalist way, uh, that temptation has to be overcome because really what happens is that it it very easily can lead to a mushrooming problem that grows and um, becomes unmanageable very quickly. So by that I mean that um, you know it's not uncommon now to see cases where employees come forward to say that they were bullied or harassed um, sometimes years ago mm-hmm. in their workplace mm-hmm. and that their employer was made aware of it. And sometimes that awareness uh, or alleged awareness was taken by the employer as a passing comment by the employee or an unofficial complaint. You know, employers like to talk about uh, formal and informal complaints. And I think that that's really um, problematic language for employers because um, it seems to me that it's easy for an employer to go off track quickly if a complaint is characterized as an informal complaint. It's easy for an employer in that scenario to say, well, look, we just have to have a fireside chat with the employee who's been aggrieved and the employee who is alleged to have done the harassing. And, you know, if we, if we all sit and talk about this problem for a couple of minutes and shake hands, then that will be the end of the issue. And unfortunately, more than one employer um, has been finding out that it's not the end of the issue. Yeah, and, and to add to that, Kelly, things that I'm finding interesting to, to build on your question, David, is is that I'm finding that one of the key parts of this is a manager-employee relationship, where we can get managers with the proper training to be able to build rapport with their employees, to be able to learn how to have conversations, because not every manager who gets put into a management position who's supposed to enforce the policies really ever trained in how to do this. They were actually often subject matter experts who got promoted mm-hmm. with good intentions. Mm-hmm. And they have these things called human beings who don't actually get along or and sometimes they might actually themselves feel sometimes intimidated, especially if the employers are or the, the employees older than them. Mm-hmm. So what I'm realizing is that if you step back and think about the employee experience, a part of it is ensuring that the organization has is aligned in its values and actually decides what kind of place it wants to be. If it has legislation, that's great. That's good but my sense is the organizations are akin to what they want the place to be for the employees and then spend time on culture management development getting a good policy in place as kelly said ensuring that the managers have the skills of knowing how to confront and address bullying behavior 
are supported on how to do that, have proper investigation training, ensure that your folks know how to be trained. I'll ask Kelly a question what he thinks about, you know, the risk for not making sure your investigations are done right. Cause mm-hmm. there is risk in employers when they mm-hmm. make mistakes with these things. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing that's really, really, really important is for the senior leadership to make it really clear what kind of culture they want. And you'll hear more talk around inclusive, caring cultures where they want people to feel safe coming to work mm-hmm. because it's just good for business. Well, and, and before we get in, you know, I'm, I am curious about uh, investigative training. Is that what you're calling it? Well, the, no, it's more not so much in the investigating training. It's that you have a responsibility. If somebody, and for example, in this province, if there's someone who was bullied or harassed, we need to make sure we're talking about there's bullying, then there's harassment, which in bullying and harassment, folks often get those two terms confused. Then okay. you move on to sexual harassment. And you can move on to workplace violence. Right. So our conversation today is we're talking around bullying, which is one part of a respectful workplace policy. Got it. Um, what I what I was you know, and I, I'd like to get back to you know how do you deal with it, and and um, and what I'm gathering, and I you know I'm, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but but putting your head in the sand is not appropriate response, is what you're both telling <laughs> me, right? No, um, that's correct. Okay, um, so that's crystal clear. Um, I think it's also, and I'd like to actually, if I could maybe ask both of you this question around, um, a lot of, a lot of, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, until I had a personal experience, someone I know and, and love, um, having an experience of being, you know, I, I think would be considered bullied in a work environment. I had no appreciation for the, the impact it has on that individual. And it doesn't just oh, when that individual leaves work, everything's fine, it bleeds into other parts of, uh, and what I've learned from both of you is, is, is the impact. So can you give me, like, do you have any examples of, of just, you know, um, you know, maybe a story or, or just what you've observed and how, because uh, I think people need to know this because a lot of times people will say, well, come on, just, you know, like whatever, suck it up, right? You know, I dealt yeah, with that yeah, back in yeah. the 80s. That wasn't a big deal, you know, yeah, like I'm yeah, still... Yeah. Um, it has real consequences. Yeah, and from a psychological perspective, someone is actually in a workplace where they're being tormented. And I think it's important when we talk about bullying too, when I get up, when we're building on this. So if I'm being bullied because of my sexual orientation, it's not only your breach in policies, but you could be violating human rights and employers have those things. But the point being is it can lead to what are called mental injuries. So you being an old hockey guy, you know, mm. from your days of getting a shot and you get a, a big bruise in your mm-hmm. leg mm-hmm. and then you get hacked in your leg and your leg keeps getting banged. Well, we, we can relate to that because we can see a big bruise and mm-hmm. it's black and blue and mm-hmm. it hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, with human beings, we do know that people can get what are called metal injuries. And what's put in the mainstream, if you have if you're paying any attention to the news is when you start thinking about first responders, you start thinking about right. war and you start thinking about post-traumatic stress. So we're starting to become much more aware that between your ears, if a person is impacted negatively and it's gone chronically, they are at risk potentially of us experiencing post-traumatic stress or other type of injuries that could result from that depression, anxiety. Some people might go to addiction to cope. So your, your point is right on. It's very, very real. And, and what's interesting is I, I think the other thing is, is lots of human beings have never been taught how to deal with conflict 
how to confront. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things is lots of people are catching because they don't know how to self-advocate. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in, Kelly, what, what you would add to that yeah, and, and and if you have a, an example that that you could use, because I think it, I think that would help people understand the the impact. I don't you know. Is that something that yeah, you, you know, that you well, could bring I, forward, I, Kelly? Well, sure. I mean, it's almost daily. Uh, for today, I was dealing with a person who um, has been victimized by bullying in their workplace. Um, this is a person who any of your listeners would. Uh, find on their face to be highly intelligent, highly articulate, um, highly motivated. This is a person who's had tremendous success uh, in their career and um, would would um, present with a lot of self-confidence as well. So this person would not strike you as a proverbial wallflower um, at all, but as a consequence of some uh, bullying in their workplace, uh, this person really struggles to get in the door of the uh, organization's building. So um, fear this, this person cannot easily enter the building anymore and quite frequently breaks down in tears um, when speaking to me. And so that's not an uncommon story, by the way. In fact, I've had at least one court case in the last couple of years where uh, a victim of this kind of behavior in the workplace uh, has been um, ordered by their psychiatrist to refrain from being in the same room with their manager. Yeah, and, and that makes it really tough to run a court case, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I think Kelly too, you're you know, one of the things you and I do some training together around respectful workplace and investigations. And one of the things a story you told me from Prince Edward Island, I think, you know, if you could, could give them kind of the cliff notes where somebody with who was bullied, a male who was an athlete was bullied by a female who he did, everyone was watching this and they didn't know how to, you know, self-advocate. And this chap ended up dying of a heart attack. Yeah, and we we have to be careful because very recently a decision in that case that supported the contention that the individual had been harassed in his workplace uh, has been uh, altered uh, on appeal to the point where... The, you know what happened well now the yeah now the the decision is that while there was evidence of um, the person being harassed in their workplace uh, an appeals tribunal has found that the evidence on that front wasn't sufficient to support a conclusion that um, he had suffered harassment but instead had um, suffered stress as a consequence of uh, workplace interpersonal conflict, hmm. uh, which I think is a, a a narrow distinction, but nevertheless a distinction. And to your point, though, Bill, that fellow who had no previous um, no previous heart condition uh, was found to have uh, suffered heart failure and died as a consequence of that workplace uh, stress caused by interpersonal conflict. So whether you call that 
workplace harassment or whether you call that workplace stress incurred as a consequence of interpersonal conflict, I think uh, for most people and for most employers wouldn't matter. And the fact is that the guy died. Yeah, the outcome was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Do do, do you know what's interesting, what what you're describing, I think is really helpful to this conversation is you're just like, you're, you're kind of like, I I think maybe, and maybe this is just me, but you, you start to get a a picture of, of what a a victim of bullying would look like. Mm. Right. And it's exactly probably the opposite of what you're describing in these cases, you know, where, where like, you know, the Kelly, you're talking about the person you dealt with today, external, you know, uh, would exude confidence and, and, and so that, so it almost can be, it's almost like this hidden, it has the potential to be this hidden thing because surely, you know, Joe over there or Sally over there, you know, look at, look at how confident they are. They could, they couldn't be a victim of this or couldn't be dealing with this. And, And yet what you're both telling me is, well, you'd be careful making that assumption. Well, yeah, the old expression, never judge a book by its cover, is so true in this level. I mean, the amount of six foot five, 290-pound men that I know that are in their basements experience stress and trauma from being bullied from a female or somebody that, that would be half their size were stereotypical because they didn't have the resources or actually understand how to actually deal with it. And lots of us do not like dealing with conflict. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges mm-hmm. around bullying, there's different types. There's overt where you're, you know, you're really verbally, you know, words. And there could be physical bullying where I'm using my size and I'm leering over you and blocking doorways. And there could be covert where I'm kind of excluding you and you're maybe you're I think you're a minority. And I because of my implicit bias, and my prejudicism, I'm actually pushing you away the, the 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 biggest genesis for why i wanted to start to write this article in my mind is i just think this concept about bullies we talk about it but my concern is are we really clear on how we're going to address it do our managers have the tools to be able to start to actually have these conversations and are we actually getting employees to start to realize to be upstanders versus bystanders so they can start conversations because guess what the employees don't need to stop this by themselves they need to be able to talk to their leadership and leadership doesn't necessarily need to stop it by themselves they can actually if they don't know how they can ask questions get coaching get feedback get support but the reality is we just need more urgency on it because I'm concerned that it's continued to grow at a level we don't. It doesn't do our society any good. So so people listening to this, a couple things, um, and I, I want to get Kelly to chime in, um, but I'm thinking uh, you in this article, and and, I, and we'll have to somehow get in our in our show notes the URL if you don't have it at the top, of, you know, like on the top of your mind, Bill. But um, you have uh, you actually at the end of the article you have um, a bully like a risk uh, a bully risk screen where people can actually and it, and and a bully risk score. So that I, I I believe that means I would go on that and see if I'm at risk of yes. being bullied or or currently being bullied. Absolutely, to give you a frame of reference because if you can't actually define the word bullying using bullying. So what are the behaviors that are actually happening? So did you have a frame of reference? That's so true. Yeah, well, we should make sure that people get a copy of the article and those tools because they're meant to be educational to help people. Okay, awesome. And so so that that's, and, and, the, and from Kelly, from your perspective, now you're, you're you know, uh, people are listening to this and they're saying, I want to, we want to learn more about Kelly Van Buskirk. 
Um, how do people reach you? Um, you know, I think I'd like for you to share um, with our listeners as well, like um, the fact that you're a published author. I mean, both you are, but um, but you know, Kelly, some of your work and where they could find that. Um, and um, and any any. I guess tips on, you know, if, if, if you're an employer or employee and you're on either side of this or seeing it, you know, what, what are some steps to take, uh, or, or get, or either get, or gather more information. So any advice around that? Sure. Well, first, if you're an employer, then I would say, um, the first step is to recognize that if, uh, more than half of Canadians are experiencing this behavior, then it's pretty unlikely that, you don't have or haven't had some experience with this behavior in your own workplace. And that's a recognition that every employer has to come to. And then secondly, once you've come to that recognition, it's easy to um, become interested in uh, solving the problem or reducing the problem in your workplace. And there are really compelling business reasons um, to want to do that. So, uh, you know, some of that research is readily available and, uh, you know, I'm happy to share it with people if they're, if they're interested in that, but, but, and, and how do they uh, do that, Kelly? That it's important to give your, uh, you know, how do they find you? Oh, well, um, Googling loss and creamer.com, uh, which, uh, is my firm's website is the place that, uh, I can uh, be found in terms of contact information Perfect. and, and, um, you know, that's a starting point uh, for them to investigate how they can improve their own uh, workplace culture through uh, some of the means that uh, we've talked about today. And I think I would also encourage people to, um, on you know, if they're on Twitter or LinkedIn, to uh, to connect with you because I'm, I'm seeing stuff you're sharing all the time. Um, so, and I, I don't know, do you, do you have off the top of your head what your Twitter handle is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not as uh, prolific, uh, Dave, as you are. But uh, <laughs> well, I'm so. at Dave underscore Vale V E A L E. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's and I I'm think at it's Bill <laughs> So we'll yeah. get that. We'll get that up. We're clearly not as good at that as we should be. Um, but it's important that people can find you because I would say uh, very confidently that you're. I've known you to share information very freely. Um, sure. So, um, so Dr. Van Buskirk, thank you so much for coming on and thank you, uh, Kelly. and doing and sharing your wisdom. Um, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye and then uh, and then Dr. Bill and I are gonna do some takeaways. Well, look, thanks, Dave and Bill. It's really a pleasure to talk to both of you because, as your listeners know, you're both uh, at the very forefront of uh, your roles in this workplace uh, workplace culture development. Um, enterprise that uh, is so important to so many employers. So thanks for thanks for including me in the discussion. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Talk soon. See you guys. See Bye. Kelly. Bye bye. What we like to do at the end of our our podcast, and and we're in the, with a the boiling point, and we I'd love to continue this, Bill. Yes. Is um takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Like just you know, I, and I know I know you know you you run very deep um in uh, you know in here in in this in these topics mm. and um i know i've got a number of takeaways um f- for you though like you know revisiting it listening to kelly's um perspective sharing your own um what what are some takeaways i think the big one for me to start with this is a respectful workplace i th- is not to think about this as just a policy mm. think about respectful workplace as a conversation to facilitate the employee experience mm-hmm. 
think about what we would need to do to be able to facilitate that experience above and beyond having a good policy in place. Think about the level, what kind of training our employees could have. What kind of training would our managers need to have? What kind of support do we need to have if we need to do an investigation if someone's actually hurting someone else or do we know how to intervene? The wrong time to prepare for a crisis is when you have one. And I think the last one, and I'll get to your comments back because I have a question I was thinking about for you as somebody uh, earlier in our talk, is the amount of people that are actually being exposed potentially as either being victims of this mm -hmm. or observing it. Mm -hmm. It's it's and I think what happens is it's probably a little bit. People are probably scratching their head, going, "Is it really that big? Is it right. really that big of a problem?" Yeah, that is shocking. It is, isn't it? Totally. What about you? Um, well, I think that I, a couple things. One is, you know, don't bury your head in the sand. You know, there are resources, there are people that can help you, um, yes. such as you know, as yourself or Kelly uh, and others. Um, and so that's that's really helpful, and and uh, you know, knowing that there's someone that could walk you through this and 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 help support you. And I, I think people need to know that. You know, I think that's can um, because you can feel. I'm I'm assuming you'd feel very isolated in these situations. And you know, and I you know, everyone's probably experienced this to a degree. I know I have, and you know, varying levels. Um, but it, it, you know, if if it's anything like I'm imagining, it would be very isolating. So knowing that you can reach out is 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 good, and that people have thought through this, and there's uh, and with a lot of there's a lot of thought going into this clearly, right? Um, the other is just not making, not assuming, you know? Someone looks okay on the outside, you know, when you talk about the psychological injuries, it's like, it's a really good point, you know? And and, and uh, for, for, for for the layman like myself to consider, you know? Well, that's what I was gonna ask. You, yeah. you as someone who coaches a lot of people mm. that are business owners and executives, tell me, have you come across people that said to you, hey, David, uh, I'm 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 a little coaching today, but I'm really struggling. I feel I'm being bullied. Do you get that through even as in the role of a coach? Yeah, you'd run across it, um, and so and you know, and that that uh, I think what what I, you know the beautiful thing about a coaching experience is it's um, it's a safe environment free of judgment. So the things you will often hear sometimes surprise me, and it helped me um, understand the statistics that you guys are quoting around the level of of challenges that people have out there. And this would be, in a regular conversation, I wouldn't hear it, but because we're bound by confidentiality, people will share information. And um, it's good to, it's good to- So you're not surprised? I'm, I'm not surprised, um, but it's a good reminder. And um, and maybe as a, from a coaching perspective, it's a good reminder to maybe maybe go a little deeper if I hear something. Good. So uh, that's cool. that's what I'm appreciating for this. So, um, well, this is fun. This yeah, is you're fun. pretty good at this. I'm just I, learning. I, I, I'm like I'm a, like you guys have like you know the boiling point like you're old pros like 250, and I'm I'm like this is less than 10. So I'm just learning what I'm doing. Well, I would say uh, I would say Greg would agree. Um, who is my co-host? Is oh, you know, oh on, hey guys, hey, oh there he is. Uh, hey, there what's, he is. what's going on in here? Uh, who, who, who's this? Is he, Bill? This is Bill. You know. Okay, so he, he, is he taking over, Dave? Or? <laughs> Well, no, you're still you're, you're still the co-host of the the boiling point, yep. um, uh, Doctor Bill. As you know, as as you know, is um, is really helping us um, explore the concept of shifting the employee experience. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks, Greg, for chiming in for for boiling point listeners. We'll we'll appreciate that, uh, Doctor Bill. Appreciate your Thanks, your David. bringing this, this is to be, us. I'm looking forward to this experience with you. Yeah, and um, and we and and for those that are interested in going further, um, you know, please reach out to to Dr. Bill Howitt or Dr. Kelly Van Busker. Thank you. Have a great day. 
See you later. Thanks for listening to the special partnership edition of the Boiling Point podcast, the podcast that we're calling Shifting the Employee Experience, which has been presented in partnership with the University of New Brunswick College of Extended Learning and with our second partner, Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. So let me tell you a little bit about our two epic sponsors. The University of New Brunswick College of Extended Learning features the online high-impact corporate leadership program. Workplace health, safety, wellness, and leadership are competencies that significantly impact a workforce. Strength in these areas are crucial for the success in a corporate environment. Build capacity with your entire team with specialized courses through the UMB online experience. For more information, visit go.umb.ca slash ICIP hyphen podcast. Our second partner for the podcast is Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. It's a not-for-profit organization committed to protecting workers and businesses. WSPS serves the manufacturing, agricultural, and service sectors in Ontario, supporting over 160,000 member firms and 4.1 million workers. WSPS offers unparalleled health and safety expertise, consulting, training, and resources. Their mandate includes helping businesses understand their risks and legal obligations to stay in compliance and build a better and safer workplace. You can find out more on their website at www.wsps.ca or by following them on Twitter at at WSPS underscore news or by connecting on their LinkedIn company page by searching for Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. So thanks to those two sponsors for making this podcast a reality. We're really excited to connect with you next week. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.